the fuck is up world what's good for real another podcast yo it's been like all more than two weeks at this point which is fucking hilarious because the last times i did one of these bitches i was like yo i'm on a roll look at this another new podcast within seven days of my last podcast and then i turned around and fucking went the longest that i've got i've gone in this entire fucking podcast game that i got going on here so um maybe the uncertainty i'm gonna want to say not even maybe i know for a fact has to do a lot with the reason being that it's final season yo both as the professor that i play and as the student that i also pretend to play occasionally right and whenever this time comes it's just a it's just a special time in the year it's been a special time in my life special i use the word very fucking loosely but it's been a very special time in my life for about 10 years now I'm fucking tired of it, bro. I want to fucking graduate school and be done with, yo. Some people graduate, but be still stupid. The, the perpetual career student that our dear, my boy Kanye West is talking about, right? Um, yeah, it just feels like I've been in school fucking forever. But again, that's accounting for the associate's degree all the way now to where I am now at the doctoral degree. I was say master's. Get the fuck out of here, dog. Doctoral degree, right? So yeah, it's been quite a process, quite a journey. I took a year off, so I guess not an entirely straight year, uh, 10 years, but that's fucking besides the point. The point is that at this point, uh, I've gotten pretty accustomed to not having a life around this general time of the year, right? Because I'm stuck fucking writing papers, reading papers, grading papers, just the typical fucking academic boy fucking shit. You know, it's nothing unique. It's nothing special, but it definitely is time consuming in a good way for the most part. Right. And unfortunately, because of that, I have been unable to podcast my true love, my true passion, at least for now. Right. The podcasting game. But whatever the case was, I was like, yo, you know what? I got to fucking drop a new podcast today, today. OK. And the reason being is because, well, a little insight into my personal life. For those of you who don't know me on a personal level, I am a giant fucking Game of Thrones fan. I don't give a the greatest show of all time bro i don't give a fuck what anybody says right especially right now with this whole eighth season man this eighth season it could have been a little bit better but honestly it's fucking i'm i'm satisfied i am happy with it right and especially after last night's episode man i can't believe there's people who don't like game of thrones yo but we'll discuss them at a later time for now we're here to discuss not necessarily yeah i guess we're gonna it's, it's gonna come up just by virtue of the discussion right so i guess i should qualify uh my fork my forthcoming statements with two things i guess i'll qualify with, with two things the first of which i guess is the most important actually uh so let me get it out of the way now before i fucking forget i changed the handle on my instagram account so if you're listening to this if you're watching this and you still haven't fucking followed me on instagram and you're deciding okay i guess after 12 podcasts now would be as good a time as any to follow this fuckhead okay you will have to do so at a new Instagram handle, which reads out as OG underscore Ice Nice 13. That's right, motherfucker. OG underscore Ice Nice 13, original gangster. If you don't think I'm a gangster, you can come over here and try to take the title that I gave myself away from me and see how that goes for you, right? Um, but yeah, or you could just fucking go on Instagram and talk shit to me like, hey, you ain't a gangster. And I'll be like, yo, it's time to reevaluate where our definition of a gangster is. And then maybe we can make that decision at a later time, right? The second thing that I need to qualify is spoiler alerts, okay? Whether you are a Game of Thrones head and have not seen last night's episode, season eight, episode five, right? Or maybe you've just not had a chance to get into the Game of Thrones game yourself, but I've been looking forward to it. Or maybe, maybe you're one of those fucking weird people in the world 
who don't like Game of Thrones. Ugh. And then even worse, the ones that don't like Game of Thrones and make a point of letting other people know that, oh, am I only one of the only 1% of the population on the world that doesn't like Game of Thrones? Yeah, because you're an idiot. If you actually sat down and watched the fucking episode, you'd see how awesome it is and how stupid and fucking deprived your life has been because you haven't seen not even one episode. Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. That was a little bit rude, but that's just my Game of Thrones fanboy speaking right there, right? And, um... Yeah, last night's episode was just so fucking epic that I said, yo, you know what? I'm going to have to drop a podcast on this fucking... I'm going to have to drop a podcast on this one particular episode in general, right? Which I guess, honestly, is a welcome change. Maybe for you, but absolutely certainly for me, right? Um, it's a welcome change for a little bit of the of the pace of where the previous podcasts have been going. Uh, and that's not to diminish by any stretch of the imagination what the other podcasts have to offer, so much as it is to say that I'm not trying to fucking peg myself and please don't don't allow yourself to peg me into this little corner either where all I want to do is talk about fucking shit like identity and fucking gender and fucking politics. Like, nah, man, real shit. I, I really don't care about any of that shit, which is, again, I, I said that from the very beginning of, the, uh, of this podcast series and I'm still saying it to this point, which might sound a little contradictory given the fact that the majority of the podcasts that I've given at this point have basically entirely revolved entirely around those subjects, right? But again, just to reiterate what I've said already in the previous two podcasts, is that's just a function of the foundational role that hood philosophy plays, right? And the good news is we're starting to get a little bit, little bit closer to the end of the foundational section of my whole hood philosophy. Spoiler alert, it's basically my dissertation, right? Um, yeah, we're, I'm starting to get closer to the end already of the, the foundational aspect of this hood philosophy, right? So for those of you who have been following along from the very beginning, shout out to Jordan. Jordan, uh, if you're listening to this, Jordan is a, a person, not a student, but a person who came into my ethics course this summer or this uh, spring rather uh, with another student, right? Uh, he came in with her and he came in around the midpoint, I say like a month into the semester and for some reason or another decided that my fucking class was worth coming back to for the remaining portion of the semester, which is all the more uh meaningful to me at least right because it was a it was only a once a week class the class only met once a week and when it did meet it met for fucking three hours and those were three hours in the nighttime right so to be able to drag oneself after a long days of work right to a class that you know only once a week but for three hours at a time that's a fucking gargantuan feat in and of itself right but to do so for the sheer fucking pleasure of it because homeboy wasn't being graded homeboy isn't being graded right uh he went because he actually like i said uh enjoyed the material and that is just the fucking biggest compliment that i could ever receive so before i even continue with that shout out to you jordan i know that you said he was listening to some of these on the field so that, that, that that's even more important to me for reasons we'll discuss at a later podcast right but for now uh for all of us who have been coming along this podcast journey so far um, yeah, I, I, we're getting closer to the end of the fucking, uh, the foundational portion of hood philosophy, right? Which I'm excited for because in the one hand, obviously I'm excited because it's given me an opportunity to discuss it with those of you who have been listening to it, right? It's a baby. I've sat down and created it from scratch. And obviously, uh, like all of us who take pictures of our little babies and put them up on the gram or in our Facebook, we would like the adulation that comes with doing so, right? Like, look at the baby that I made, like my picture to demonstrate how much you do so, Right um the same could be said with me and my little baby of hood philosophy right but um more importantly the real reason i'm looking forward to it is because like i said i don't want to get pigeonholed and i fucking refuse to do so actually into just the 
everyday average fucking academic person because real shit that's all academia discusses right now for the most part and i'm so fucking tired of it at least in the liberal arts section like for reals i cannot read another fucking paper uh complaining about how unfair and unjust and everything the world is like yes motherfucker it is and then what now what we all know the world's fucked up we all know there's fucking issues that need to be resolved in terms of gender identity politics yes okay i get that but what else like we've been reading the same shit for 20 years already and it's only uh, progressively gotten more fucking nazi-ish as i've already explained in previous podcasts so what are we gonna do like what's the next step right because just sitting here and complaining i can't fucking do it i refuse to do it i'm not a complaining person i like to take action right and unless you're gonna fucking re-examine these values of yours that that are uh, perpetuating the very systems of oppression that you fucking pretend to be so uh, unhappy with shit is not going to fucking change anytime soon at which point i'll be like fuck it i'm done with this right tangent the point being is that part of my joy when it comes to philosophy is being able to express and demonstrate how the philosophy that i you know live and the philosophy that i especially in my classes but also now definitely with this podcast share with you all is a reflection of everyday life. If you were taking my class, if you are taking my class at the moment, right, you'll say, especially now that it's coming time for finals and you have to write your final paper, I'm going to tell you, I need practical examples, right? I need examples of how the philosophy that we've covered applies in a practical way. What does that mean? Show me how what you were learning in this classroom, show me what you read actually fucking exists outside of this classroom. Tell me how it's applying outside, whether it be in your actual everyday life right or whether it be in something as simple and meaningless as a fucking a seemingly meaningless right as a song or a poem or a movie because that's that's that that's the most important shit right i know i've said it before but it bears repeating again if what i teach within the classroom itself or through these podcasts isn't translating to a fucking to outside of the experience of being in the classroom or you know just listening to this podcast then i am failing you bro okay i am failing you as a professor if you're my student and i'm failing you as a podcast host if you're just a listener right um because my goal is to show you again how what we're learning actually applies in the outside world and thus can actually help change for the better or maybe even unfortunately for the worse the outside you know that that world out there that all of us seem to be so fucking upset with but yet uh, yet rather most of us seem to enjoy living it right and thus this is where the excitement of today's game of thrones cast comes into play right I fucking love, I love, love, love analyzing shit like movies, for instance, and TV shows. Part of my class, and not really much this much uh, this semester, unfortunately, because I tried a little bit something different. Like, and, and I wish I would have showed more videos and, and you know, uh, deconstructed more songs in class. But oh well, I apologize. You can listen to the podcast and you'll pick it up from here, right? Or maybe you could just take a, dif- a different one of my classes at EPCC that wasn't the one that was that you already took this semester. Anyways, the point being. I love to deconstruct these kind of shits, right? To demonstrate like all all these shows that we love, all these songs that we love, all these movies that we love. I promise you, they're all, especially the really good ones, they're fucking heavily, heavily laden with deep fucking philosophy, man. So my pleasure as being someone who is versed in the philosophical tradition is showing others who are not necessarily versed within the philosophical tradition the ways that everything they fucking love about the show they are watching are actually deeply philosophical, right? Um, again, it's just another one of the, it's one of the many ways in which we can help reclaim uh, philosophy from these academic, you know, uh, turds who, who, who reduced it to nothing more than, you know, letters on a piece of paper that, you know, must remain unchanged forever and all of eternity, 
right? Um, no, dude, philosophy is very dynamic. Philosophy is very much alive. Philosophy is everyday life, and you're seeing it reflected in your own personal actions and behaviors, and you're absolutely seeing it reflected through the, you know, scripted actions and behaviors of people, like, again, in movies and television, right? And you might fucking already know most of the philosophy that we're going to discuss or that I will discuss because of your experience with these fucking shows, with these movies, with these songs that just do exactly as I mentioned. They demonstrate to you all the philosophy. Well, another great example, uh, Rick and Morty. You could just fucking watch Rick and Morty and be like, oh, shit, I understand most of my philosophy class at this point. Right. But today is not a Rick and Morty cast. That'll come in the future. Today is a motherfucking Game of Thrones cast, especially, especially it's a fucking redemption for my girl, the Dragon Queen, Daenerys Stormborn, Queen of the Andals and the First Ment, the Unburnt, the Breaker of Change, the Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, right? The baddest motherfucker walking Westeros, what's up, okay? And the reason is, is because, well, she's taking a lot of flack on the gram and on social media, I guess, in general. Obviously, I really mostly focus on the gram, as we've explained before. And I'm fucking not here for that at all, because I think fucking last night's episode was awesome. And that the people who disagree, especially the ones who, you know, consider themselves or un, not even consider, but the ones who have been keeping up with the show since season one, episode one. How dare you try to fucking say, for instance, OK, spoiler alert for reals now, because now I'm about to get into it. But for those of you who fucking have been watching from season one, episode one, right? Um, how dare you say that they did her a disservice? Like the, 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 the character, the showrunners, right? That they did the character of Daenerys Stormborn a disservice because that is not fucking true, right? In fact, they played her character arc exactly the way that her character arc has been developing from the very fucking first episode, right? And here's where the beautiful, uh, the beauty of philosophy starts to come in, right? And that is the fact that, listen, we fucking loved Khaleesi when she was murdering, for instance, people that we thought deserved to be more murdered, right? We loved her when she was, you know, enacting virtue and justice on people that we believe needed to be, had their virtue and justice enacted upon, right? And basically what I mean by that is we fucking loved her when she was a murderer in the very beginning. She's been killing motherfuckers since the very beginning, bro. She's been burning motherfuckers alive. She's been sentencing people to die since the very beginning, right? And the basic idea here comes from a moral, uh, 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 moral dilemma, and it's called that of objective moral truths, more specifically, rather, uh, absolute moral truths, right? So the objective part comes into play when you say that these moral truths that I'm about to highlight for you, they fucking apply to everybody irrespective of what they believe in, right? So an example of this can be fucking gravity. Gravity don't give a motherfuck whether you believe in it or not, right? Gravity don't care what the religion you believe in has to say about it. Gravity don't care what ethnicity you are, what gender you are, what fucking socioeconomic status you come from. Gravity exists to everybody universally, right? And there is nothing that we can do to ever stop that. We can never change. I mean, we can alter it in certain ways, right? Like anti-gravity chambers at NASA and shit, right? But we cannot fucking just turn gravity off in, 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 as a facet of existence. It's a fundamental facet of existence, at least here on planet Earth, right? My limited understanding of physics will attest to that, okay? Um, and ideally, ideally, we would like to say the same about shit like murder, and especially murder, because murder seems to be a very murder seems to be a very hot button issue. Now, always, forever, it's always going to be a fucking issue because we as people are very base level and animalistic still. 
right? That's the Nietzschean influence from today's podcast coming in. The, the fucking Nietzschean influence is always there, right? And, in, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, I didn't even have a chance to spiff you up on my Nietzsche. So a lot of what I'm going to be I'll be saying today, even though it's influenced by Nietzsche, is going to be a little bit spotty because, again, obviously, the fucking finals, bro, as I alluded to earlier, right? They, they're, they're consuming a little bit of my time, but I just fucking had to do this podcast to redeem my girl, the Dragon Queen, right? And the reason being is because, again, these absolute universal ideas, right? We would love to believe that shit like murder is a necessarily bad thing, for example, that murder is bad and no matter what you do or say, there's nothing you can do to change this fact. The same way with gravity, right? Murder, the, the idea rather, the value that murder is bad because it's just bad and it applies to everybody universally, irrespective of what, you know, whatever identity they associate with or whatever their belief structure says. And in the most ideal world, in the most ideal world, that would be fucking the, that would be hunky-dory, right? Murder is bad. And I think for the most part, again, prima facie, at first glance, we can agree that murder is bad, right? But as this show, Game of Thrones, has started to reveal to us, and especially last night's episode, if we just dig a little bit deeper, we'll see just how not bad murder really is maybe right and that's a really difficult thing it's not difficult i can say it easily i'll fucking outright say it especially since this isn't my class i won't say it in my class because i don't want to influence the you know i don't want to uh, influence my students in any way shape or form their opinion but i'll say it on my damn podcast i don't think life's intrinsically valuable prove me otherwise right i'll say my life is intrinsically valuable and i'll say that the life of the people around me is valuable even right but once we start to extend past that i'm like i re i really don't know Right. Because ideally, again, in this ideal hunky dory world that we uh, wish that we lived in, if life was intrinsically valuable, then that would mean that it'd be protected at any cost because it's a precious resource that cannot be fucking lost, especially in the most seemingly inconsequential ways in which it is lost here today. It's still all throughout the course of human existence. Right. Now, before I continue, please, uh, I can't believe I even qualify this, but just in case, it's not an indictment on my behalf to go out and just become this fucking ravaging, uh, rapacious murderer because I said that I don't think life is intrinsically valuable. It's certainly not what I'm going to go do, right? And it's not, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to avoid those actions because I think life is intrinsically valuable per se, so much as because I'm not a fucking sociopath and I don't need anything or anybody to tell me that it's bad to harm other people, right? pacifist bro i mentioned this in previous podcasts right um but i will say that from a philosophical disposition i've really i've had no choice but to i feel almost like i've been pigeonholed i guess this you know it's pretty funny to say because I, I i started by saying i didn't want to be pigeonholed but i guess in, in terms of my belief no not pigeonhole it's not the correct word i've been backed up into a corner right i find myself in a corner when it comes to the value of life that i have not been able to escape from uh still to this day I apologize for the dead air. It's a little coffee break. Your boy gets a little thirsty talking all this shit, right? But the dilemma that I've been forced into, right? The corner that I've been forced into can be summarized by the following dilemma. Let's say that life is intrinsically valuable. Okay. And that because life is intrinsically valuable, we cannot murder because murder takes away the value. It doesn't take away, but it, 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 it takes, well, it definitely takes away uh, life. I was going to say the, the value, right? But it takes away the life of whatever individual and notice the word individual because we haven't even started talking about fucking animals yet, right? That's what you call the moral community. We'll get there here shortly. But let's say that, you know, because murder is immoral, you cannot, it, you know, you cannot murder somebody else because doing so would infringe upon their intrinsic value as a person. 
And obviously, not only does this fucking happen all the time, like the most heartbreaking, the heart, most heartbreaking example is all these fucking school shootings that are happening right now, right? Let's say that life was intrinsically valuable and the idea you shouldn't murder was a universal truth the same way that gravity is a universal truth. If this was the case and life is intrinsically valuable and we shouldn't murder, then the second the gunman pulls the trigger on these poor fucking students, right? An invisible shield will overtake them to deflect magically all the bullets that are being shot in their directions because again their life is fucking valuable and it must be protected but obviously we know and that's not the case man it's not the world that we live in yes of course i would love to live in that kind of world i'm a person living in this kind of world right such an instance can happen at any moment to anyone at any given time it's just the nature of being alive it doesn't matter what fuck generation we're living in humans have always killed humans right and as much as I didn't wish for that to be the case, that's not going to stop it from happening, right? I can give away all my power and volition to another agency to, to hope that they can stop it from happening. But even then, the most powerful agencies and institutions that we've established as human beings, like, you know, police, the military, religion, they've never, they've not been able to stop it either. In fact, in fact, even those institutions are predicated on murder, right? I mean, think about it. Here's a little bit of Game of Thrones knowledge for you, right? My boy, Bronn. Bronn deserved better. I, I, was, I guess I will give him that, right? But Bronn deserved his castle. But in, in episode four of season eight, he had a really cool quote that said, what do you, how do you think all these powerful families were founded? By a bunch of fancy lads in silky shirts? No, dude, they were founded by gangsters who were willing to do whatever the fuck it took to get into positions of power, right? Gangsters like my dear fucking homie Daenerys Stormborn, right? She's been gangster from episode one, right? She's been killing motherfuckers since episode one. What she did last night and burning up the whole village and all the innocent people, it's no different. It's no different because if murder's, if murder's an absolute truth, right? There is no distinction between killing a fucking a slave master, right? There's no difference between killing a pedophile, a fucking rapist, uh, uh, someone who's committed treason. There's no difference between killing them and between killing innocent people, well, the quote-unquote innocent people that were murdered last night in King's Landing, for instance, like the children, the, the, the elderly, the, the, the women who have no choice but to live in a city that another person wants to conquer, right? It's still murder on both respects. And if, if, if murder is a universal bad, then both murders count equally, right? Now, ideally, this is a very difficult, this is a very difficult proposition to ex uh, accept. And the reason why is because now what we're basically doing is kind of like a false equivalency. We are uh, equating the life and the value even, I'll go out to say, of, you know, an innocent woman or child. We'll just stick with child, right? It'd be as least fucking problematic with it as possible. Uh, we'll stick with like the life of an innocent child, right? Uh, we're equating the life of an innocent child to that of a rapacious murderer, somebody who's raped and killed people, Okay. Now, I, I don't, you know, me personally, me personally, and this is how I'm saying I've gotten backed into, up into this corner. I, it's a very problematic thing to say, especially because of the history of the world that we're living in, right? But as the podcast progresses, I hope I'll do a better job of clarifying exactly where I'm coming from with this. But I'm not willing to say that all lives are equal. I'm sorry, I'm not. And the perfect example would be the life of a rapacious murderer and the life of an innocent person. Like, I'm not going to say that the life of the innocent person, for instance, is equal to that of the rapacious murderer. In fact, I'm going to say the life, at least in its current form, of this innocent youth is far more is far more valuable than somebody who's raped people, somebody who's killed people, right? Because that individual has, in their own actions, served to harm other people and thus 
diminish their overall quality of life. And because of that, and because of that, I don't think that they're equal or worthy, right? Uh, I'm showing a little bit of my of, of my dispositions here. Okay, I've been accused by some people, surprisingly, right? I've been accused of two things that are not categorically not true. I've been confused. Of, uh, I, uh, I've been accused and confused of being a motherfucking lefty liberal crazy person, but I've also been fucking accused of being a fucking conservative right wing cra crazy person. I'm just confused of all kinds of shit, and part of that is because of what I just said, right? Because when you say shit like not all lives are intrinsically valuable, then the next the next step, at least in this particular argument, for instance, is simple. OK, so you have this person who has, in fact, we know with on beyond a reasonable doubt, murdered and killed somebody. Right. So what do we do now? What do we do now? Well, at least in America in 2019, but also historically throughout the course of at least the Western tradition that I'm, that I'm aware of, you can either put them in jail for the rest of their lives. Or you can just kill them. The death penalty, right? Now, I know, especially after the last podcast where I was talking about the problems of the fucking military industrial complex and or the rather the prison industrial complex and all that kind of stuff. You might be sitting here like, yo, what the fuck? Like, how can you on one hand say that the prison industrial complex is fucked up? And on the other hand, say that, you know, it's, it's a good thing to not just imprison people who murder and rape and kill, but maybe even execute them. And the answer is simple. Because the fucking school to prison pipeline and, the, and, you know, all the other ensuing prison industrial complex, it actively seeks to take advantage of people who, you know, are being miseducated. These motherfuckers, on the other hand, maybe you could say, oh, it's a process of miseducation. Maybe they have no free will. Maybe they were always determined to do it. I don't know what the fuck the case is. What I do know is that they've done the deed already. The deed has been done. Okay. And now, like, what the fuck are we left to do with besides remove them from society, whether it be in the form of a lifetime imprisonment or from actually taking their life from them? OK, the point being is that ultimately in doing so, in doing so, we've already committed two problems against this idea that life is intrinsically valuable and that thus murder should be an absolute universalizable uh, 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 thing of uh, value that we condone. Right. Or condemn rather. And it's simple. We've. We, we, we have removed the equality inherent in this example, namely the equality of two people, because if life is intrinsically valuable, that means it's intrinsically valuable for everybody. Again, irrespective of what their belief is, their identity, their religion, their politics, it doesn't matter. OK, if life is intrinsically valuable, everyone's life is valuable, uh, uh, including right that of people who have, in fact, murdered and, and raped and all that kind of shit. Right. And again, like I said, this, this corner that I find myself in is because I'm not willing. I'm not really ready to accept that. Right. So how it relates to this fucking Game of Thrones shit is, dude, again, this Stormborn lady, man, she's been killing motherfuckers since the very beginning. So to suddenly be offended by it because she killed people that we didn't like or that we do like, rather, uh, that 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 puts us in a very difficult moral position, namely where, again, the same way now, not even again, but now I'm going to demonstrate exactly how this fucking stratification, if you will, applies. We say certain people are part of our moral community. And as them being a part of our moral community, they are worthy of ethical and moral consideration. Meaning that if you were part of the club, I will extend to you the same courtesies, basically, that I wish would be extended to me. Right. So I don't want to be killed. So I won't kill you either. I would like to vote. So I will allow you to vote as well. Right. Uh, but if you're not part of the moral community, well, then guess what, fuckhead? Now you don't get any moral rights. And now whatever can be done to me, or rather whatever I would not like to be done to me, I can still do to you because you're not part of the moral community. So no, I don't want to be murdered, but I have no fucking problem murdering you because again, I'm part of the moral community and you're not. This fucking 
this is a historic problem in the history of the human race. We're seeing it today, obviously, in America with citizenship, right? Uh, but we've seen it in America, for instance, as well, with slavery and the indigenous Holocaust when, you know, the European settlers with liberty and justice for all. Except you, black and brown people, we'll kill you and we'll fucking do whatever we want to you because you're not a part of the moral community, right? I said it wasn't going to get political and there it went anyway. I promise. I apologize. I'll bring it back. How about we say it to animals and shit, right? I got my dog out here barking a little bit. Maybe you can hear him. Right. I love my dog. The only reason he's outside right now is so he don't be up all of me when I'm doing this fucking podcast. Right. And as soon as it's over, I'm going to let his ass right back in. However, the dog is an animal that we collectively, Jon Snow, you motherfucker, how dare you not pet ghost? Right. Anyways, the dog is one that we collectively have agreed is worthy of moral, uh, of moral consideration and is thus a part of the moral community. The same, unfortunately, cannot be said for that motherfucking dead-ass chicken sitting in your fucking uh, refrigerator right now. The same can be said for that fucking about-to-be-dead-ass cow that's about to be dropped face-first into a meat grinder at some industrial meat factory in order to bring you and provide all of us with 99-cent cheeseburgers at McDonald's, right? Because dogs are fucking awesome. They're sociable. They fucking look at you like they have some kind of intelligence to them, right? We associate a soul with them. Oh, not I take it back. Not a soul. Sorry, right? But we associate something there with them, right? But a chicken, man, motherfucker chicken. It's still a dinosaur and all that kind of shit. And they're delicious. If chickens didn't want to be eaten, they shouldn't have been born delicious. And the same for the cows. And thus, we have now stratified two animals, animals, lives in general, right? And said that some animals are better than others, right? And then, you know, this is where the, the vegan argument comes into play and they say, all animals are equal, bro, right? All life is equal, murder is murder. This is where the whole point is coming from, okay? And this is the whole issue with this episode last night of Game of Thrones. Like, yo, we've been cheering her and her murderous race, again, from the very beginning. So to suddenly flip it now, eh, it's a little uh, morally ambiguous of us right which i think is indicative of the larger issue at hand and that is that yo we didn't fucking hate last night's game of thrones episode we hate ourselves i'm just gonna straight up say it and the reason we hate ourselves is because it this show at least subconsciously or maybe for some of us conscientiously at least hopefully especially through the example that i just gave you of you know the universal value of absolute of life rather and the absolute rule that we shouldn't murder and that is that as ideal as we would like to make ourselves be, we all like to think of ourselves as this fucking Jon Snow type character. Man, that motherfucker is responsible for my girl's downfall. He ain't done shit. In fact, he's had his ass saved by all the women in the series the entire episode, the entire run of the show. So I don't understand why he's a hero, right? Anyways, the point is, um, damn, I just lost my motherfucking point. I was talking about murder. I apologize. I just started thinking about Jon Snow and he really makes me mad, right? Um, but oh yeah, yeah, here we go. This idea that the show doesn't make us, we don't hate the show, man. We hate ourselves because we like to imagine ourselves as these quote unquote fucking moral saints, right? And we would like to think to ourselves that I would never murder. But if we're partaking, for instance, in institutions that actively do murder, whether it be the factory farming system, the industrial factory farming system that murders, again, cows and chickens and pigs and shit for us to eat. Or whether we're involved in the institutions that are actively, you know, right now dropping bombs of people in the Middle East or police institutions that kill people right here extrajudiciously, then guess what? We are part of that, right? That, that, that's an extension of us. And especially if we say shit like murder's bad and then when it happens, we kind of just turn a blind eye to it because now we become guilty of what's known as tacit consent. This idea that just by, by not saying something is just as powerful as by actively saying that you are in favor of something, Right. I find this to be a huge issue in my ethics class in particular, because obviously it's a very ethical conversation that I'm having to begin with. 
But uh, one of the things that I like to build up, especially, I, spoiler alert, right, for those of you who are going to take the class in the future, but uh, revelation for those of you who are taking the class this semester, one of the things that I like to build up is this idea of how, how, I don't, this, this is a very correct verbiage here because it's a very controversial shit I'm about to say here soon. Um, we're not as good as we like to think we are. How about that? I'll fucking, I'll, I'll start with that. We're not as good as we think we are. We're not as moral as we think we are. We're not as just as we think we are. In fact, we are fucked up, just as fucked up as some of the most fucked up people that have ever existed in the history of the race. The likes of which that have already just broached the subject initially, your immediate reflexive response would be like, ugh, terrible people. And understandably so, because of the evil, terrible shit that they have done, right? However, as the course of the semester progresses, we start having conversations about shit like fucking universal healthcare, about shit like universal income, about shit like fucking food for the hungry people who can't afford to buy food, housing for the people who can't afford their housing, right? And guess what? It never ceases to surprise me that despite the fact that many of the people, if not all the people in my class, and undoubtedly many of the people who are listening to this would benefit from those very things that I just mentioned, the majority of them are always against it. They're like, what is this? Some fucking pinko, pinko commie shit? Jordan Peterson was right with his cultural Marxism. Fuck my philosophy, professor. This is America, goddammit. You pull yourself up by your fucking bootstraps and you make something of yourself. All right, bro. Cool. I get that argument for sure. No doubt. But let's fucking push a little bit further and let's ask ourselves. Okay. We know that you as a human being need a few things just to survive. You need a few things just to survive. You need food. You need shelter and you need access to basic necessities like fucking water and air. And if you are deprived of any of those, you will not live. It's that simple. Okay. Now, obviously, in this capitalistic monetized society that we find ourselves living in, you need money for all of those. Right. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky, you can go into a, a place somewhere and get a water fountain drink. Or I, I guess most places will offer you a free cup. Don't you fucking dare take a soda, though. Water only, motherfucker. Right. And that's a courtesy that we're going to extend to you because if you die, we can't take money from you. Right. So maybe free water every now and then. But everything else in this country, man, you got to fucking pay for that shit, dog. Obviously, this is not startling. What is startling to the students, right, is that if you can't pay for it, what happens? Well, obviously, the initial step is going to be that you find yourself homeless. Single mother of four kids? Who the fuck cares, bitch? Pay me. Fuck you. Pay me, right? Um, person who fell on hard times because they got hurt and they couldn't afford to go to work? Bitch, I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. Pay me, right? The list goes on and on of all the sorts of different examples. And if you can't afford to fucking pay them, they'll take it away from you, at which point you'll find yourself homeless. And when you are homeless, you will be fucking dependent on the well-being and the good, if you will, of other individuals to sustain you in some way, shape, or form. And guess what? If they don't, your ass is about this close from being fucking killed. All right? Not, not, I want, I'm not going to say dying. I'm going to say killed. Okay? Who are you being killed by? All the motherfuckers who either actively say, fuck you, dog, if you can't afford this shit on your own, too bad, right? And then the ones who are guilty of tacit consent by not saying anything of it, because ideally in this country as rich as this one, we would be able to help many people, right? But when we choose not to, we're basically telling them to fuck off, right? You die, motherfucker. Now, I'm not going to, again, going back to the previous podcast, I'm not going to outright kill you like I used to be able to do in the past days, in the Game of Thrones days, but I'm going to let you just fucking suffer and wither away and turn a blind eye until you are no longer a fucking issue, right? 
Hey, man. It, I mean, and th- this is the whole thing when it comes down to this fucking this Game of Thrones episode, right? When we say, for instance, this moral community, we're like, yo, the people that are not part of the moral community, we have no regard for them. And because of that, who the fuck cares what happens to them? Okay. So, uh, it, we ideally, ideally though, ideally, most of us, we don't like to think of ourselves as being someone who would sentence someone to die. For instance, we would like to think of ourselves as an individual who would see the suffering in another and seek to try at least in some way, shape or form to alleviate that suffering in as many ways as possible. But obviously that's not really the case. And when we realize it, that shit makes us feel mad uncomfortable, right? And this is why I think most people didn't like the episode last night because it makes them realize like, yeah, it's easy to talk shit about the Nazis, for example, but how is what we're doing to people who can't afford to feed themselves, for instance, much of a difference? How many people die of hunger? How many people die of starvation? How many people die of not having an adequate place to live, an ad- adequate access to water, etc. right? It may not be as fucking quick as, you know, what they were doing in Germany during World War II, but this shit is exponential. This shit, this shit has not stopped. It's been going on, right? It's happening still to this day. Someone right now is dying from their lack of resources, their lack of access to resources. And we're kind of just like, man, whatever. Game of Thrones coming on next week, last episode, right? And because of that shit, man, we're just as fucking guilty, right? So we like to, going back to the episode, yeah, she killed a lot of fucking people who could, you know, a lot of seemingly innocent people, the, 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 the elderly, the women, the children. But guess what? So do we every day by, the, by our neglect of them, right? We're neglecting them. So what's any different between, you know, Daenerys Stormborn coming down and fucking raising, uh, uh, you know, uh, raining fire from the sky with fucking a dragon and killing them instantaneously and us here just sitting down and completely fucking neglecting all the needless death and suffering that's occurring because of the choice of our actions, right? There's no difference. Another part that I feel as though she got a kind of unfair rap in is this is a little bit of a deviation here, right? It's less philosophical. No, I guess it is still a little philosophical, but it's more literary based, right? And the literary aspect comes in the form that we, we, we've grown accustomed. We've grown accustomed to, to happy endings for whatever reason. I, I would like to think that the reason mainly is going to be because these happy endings help distract us from the real world reality, the likes of which I just explained, right? And we've, ex- we, we've grown accustomed to very obvious characters. And that whenever these characters fulfill the roles that, you know, this collective conscious archetype that we've established for them, it brings us a, a, a somewhat of a joy because in doing so, this collective consciousness, this archetype schema is correct, right? Um, then basically what we're doing is we're living vicariously through their actions. So when a hero, you know, conquers the, you know, and saves the day, we somehow vicariously feel as though we were there saving the day, right? So it only stands to reason that in turn, we would not like when the storylines aren't fulfilled. We would not like when the hero doesn't save the day, right? Because when the storyline is not fulfilled, when the hero doesn't save the day, if we're living vicariously through them, if our life has been reduced to that which lives vicariously through the actions of scripted characters, right? Then that means that we failed. And if the disappointment of your mother alone isn't enough to just fucking bury you in existential dread, can you imagine the disappointment of realizing that the Dragon Queen, a lady who has taken pride in being a dragon her whole career in the show, suddenly kills people? And after all this emotional investment that you've put into her, you start to realize like, oh shit, if she's a bad person, am I a bad person now too? Chances are probably yes, but it has nothing to do with the show. It has nothing to do with the show. It has everything to do with what you're fucking distracting yourself from with the show, for instance, right? 
Um, like, for example, all the shit that I just talked about right now when it comes to the homeless and the hungry and, the, and, and those in need, right? Uh, but it also comes in the ways of a more character-based perspective when we start to realize like, oh shit, I'm very lacking in a lot of moral qualities, right? And that instead of focusing my attention on developing these, I focused it instead on fucking investing all my emotional in, uh, 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 intelligence into a fucking make-believe character, right? And that's a very uncomfortable position that we find ourselves in. As these podcasts progress, I'm going to fucking talk at length about the master-slave dialect in regard to my boy Nietzsche, but that's that's pretty much a summation of it right there, right? We give away our power to these fucking ex these external forces in hopes that doing so will remove any of the burden of us personally have to become strong in the face of a seemingly and meaningless existence, right? Existing in this fucking hostile universe, cold and hostile universe that don't give a damn about us being here in the first place, right? An easy way to avoid having to think about that kind of shit is to say that I am Team Stark. I am Team Lannister. I am Team whatever, right? And then just poof, going from there. And then when they deviate from your character, you're like, oh, how could they do this, right? That, but like I said, I did not spiffy up on my niche entirely. So, but, but even then, I don't have to. I know enough of it already to, to fucking explicate it perfectly. The point is, inevitably, I will do so in deep, deep, deep detail, right? For now, it's just this is just a fucking this is a let's talk shit about the fucking shit talkers of last night's Game of Thrones podcast with a little bit of philosophy intermixed, right? Another thing that these people were talking shit about was the way that Queen Cersei died. Sorry for the dead air again. More motherfucking coffee to power me through the day, right? People were complaining about the way somebody died. Can you imagine that? The same fucking people that were complaining about how people had just died in the previous episode. No, we don't want her to die. We want, or we don't want her to die in a nice way. We want them to live in a nice way or whatever the case might be, right? But they're only going to get mad about the ones who weren't able to live in a nice way because of the uh, Daenerys Stormborn and the way that she killed them. And we're going to get mad at the way that Cersei died as well. Like, come on, dude, where's the internal logic in this? Think about it. Essentially, spoiler alert, they're upset because someone who's a fucking quote-unquote evil character in the show didn't meet an unhappy fate as they would have liked, right? This is the hypocrisy at its finest that is best expressed through what is referred to historically in the philosophical tradition as the problem of evil, right? And the problem of evil has many different layers, but the simple argument is that if God exists, why does evil occur, right? And from there, you can extrapolate to the point that we're trying to get to now. If, let me let me further it a little bit. If God exists, why why does evil exist? Because ideally, a, a godlike figure would be all powerful, omnipotent, and thus able to not, not would know would know right when an evil uh, action is about to occur and thus stop it from happening. So the example that I gave you of the of the force field ascending over the children who are victims of school shootings, right? That that's exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to the problem of evil. And unfortunately, that does not happen, which leads pe people who are proponents of the problem of evil as an argument for the existence against God, right? Or rather for an argument against God's existence. They're going to say, so you have this God who knows everything in advance and is all powerful, so can stop everything from happening, including bad things, but doesn't. So now you're telling me that this God either doesn't fucking care, can't or or more sinisterly can stop any evil from happening at any given moment but chooses not to right 
that's the argument against evil and that's a fucking powerful argument man but you know as we progress through this lecture series we'll see that the reason i think that it's such a powerful argument to begin with is because we have a very limited understanding at least in the western tradition of philosophy of what a god is right and if we expand that just a little bit it's not necessarily that much of a problem right um but yeah so from there we are able to extrapolate that you know if god exists and evil occurs why, why does shit like bad things happen to good people right like why do why does why do why would anything bad happen to a good person right because if god existed then ideally you'd want to protect the people who are bringing good to this world right and conversely and this is where the Cersei example comes into play. If God existed, why do good things happen to bad people? Now, that's a fucking dark and sinister one right there when we seriously sit down and think about it. Because, again, we like to imagine ourselves as these fucking moral saints, as these people who do nothing but good. But if the example that I just gave you is correct, most of us feel as though it's a bad thing when good shit happens to bad people and if that's the case you're basically saying that i want bad things to happen to bad people i want bad things to happen only to the people that i deem are worthy of having bad things happen to them so it's not necessarily that you're against bad things happening it's that you only want the bad things to happen to the people that you think are bad that is some fucked up crazy logic bro like what i i, I can't even begin i mean I can't begin to wrap my head around it, man, because you're at, you're you're you found this weird sneak tip way of saying that, yeah, I'm okay with bad shit happening as long as it's okay with the, as long as it happens to people that I think it's worthy to happening to. And that doesn't make me a bad person. That just makes me somebody who believes in shit like karma or divine justice. For those of you who say shit like, oh, it's all right, karma will get him, or shit like, it's all right, man, you're gonna meet God one day and you'll have to answer then. Like you're basically saying like, I want this motherfucker to suffer, right? And obviously suffering, well, depends who you ask me, eh, right? Needless suffering, maybe for sure. That's why the whole rant about the fucking prison industrial complex and about the border and all that kind of shit stem from. But, you know, spiritual suffering, that's a different story, right? Um, but yeah, so you're basically saying, I don't mind if you suffer as long as you're someone who deserves to suffer. And when you're not someone who, who uh, when, you, when you are someone that deserves to suffer and you don't suffer, I'm going to lose my shit. And that's basically what happened last night with Cersei. Cersei, again, for those of you who have not watched the show, she's been pegged to be the bad person in the series, right? And because of that, people were upset about the way that she died. And how did she die? In the arms of her lover. Like, that's a very poetic way to die. I'm sure most of us would want to go out that way, right? She found herself... That's another thing that they were complaining about is that her the entire series, her character was built up to be a cold, heartless a calculating cunning woman and at her at her moment of you know at, at her moment of uh, most weakness namely the moment she was about to die she was reduced to this cowering you know weeping woman like what the fuck every single person walking this planet right now is a cowering weeping person in the face of their inevitable demise we all maintain a strong facade some of us might even fucking boast about welcoming it but when the fucking time comes everybody death makes cowards of us all bro it doesn't matter who the fuck you are right so yeah just because she was fucking cold and cunning and calculated and all the other words that they used to describe her throughout the whole series doesn't mean that she had to face her death like what's up motherfucker i'm ready to die right like no dude that's your most vulnerable moment that you could possibly be in and the fact that it happened in the arms of her brother lover right <laughs> for those of you who never watched the show the arms the, the fact that it happened in the arms of her brother lover is very poetic right 
which ultimately means that the quote-unquote bad person had a happy ending. And the happy ending was, again, you know, the seemingly nice way that she died. She got fucking crushed, right, by the weight of the idol, uh, the idolic temple from which she used to reside in, right? But in the arms of her brother, lover, nonetheless, right? Now, in terms of the morality of it all, I'm going to leave you all with one more because I surprisingly fucking thought that this wasn't going to last that long, but we're fucking almost 45 minutes in, almost an hour in it looks like, and still going, bro. So here we go. It's been two weeks, man. Cut me some slack, bro. I've got a lot to say. I missed you all. I couldn't wait to get back to the podcast. I'm sacrificing time that I should be doing my homework right now, but I don't give a motherfuck because I need to breathe, bro. This academic shit, like I said, getting me down, stressing me, right? We'll talk about it because I have a whole part of my, not dissertation anymore, but inevitable future forthcoming podcast. I'm talking like months for sure down the road, maybe even a year or so. But I mean, I've basically only been talking introduction to philosophy shit. Inevitably, I'm going to get to ethics, right? And even though this this podcast in general is very ethically oriented, I've not really discussed much of an ethical theory until at least the one I'm about to briefly discuss now. And that is what is regarded as consequentialism. Now, so basically, the basic gist behind consequentialism is that the, the, the ends basically always justify the means, okay? So we're concerned here with the consequences, hence the term consequentialism right? And this consequentialist theories are generally broken up into two different kinds of utilitarian theories. And what utilitarianism is concerned with is simply maximizing the most amount of good for the most amount of people, right? They're going to want to say these these utilitarians, they're going to want to say, what is the correct action? That which brings the most amount of good, happiness, joy, pleasure, etc. to the most amount of people. Now, I'm not going to discuss the theory in, in, in detail. I'm not going to discuss the theory in detail because this is not the podcast, right? But there's a lot of shit like optimistic. There's a lot of, of, of ethical math, philosophical math. That's why you, if you've ever seen a meme with people doing, uh, you know, like fucking around with their calculators and say consequentialists be like, that's because that's what they're, that's what they're making fun of. There's a lot of rules you got to follow. In fact, one of the utilitarian is called rule utilitarianism, right? But the basic gist is that at least for this Game of Thrones episode, she fucking said as much was that you know she she is devastated because her her um the people who were trying to advise her had been telling her the whole time is like yo you can't fucking just go out there and kill all these innocent people like that's fucked up there's hundreds of thousands millions they had all sorts of different kind of numbers okay but um just i guess another fault in the fucking in this in the episode of this season in general but the basic idea was that because you're taking all these lives man and that's not a good thing to do another coffee break i apologize to which daenerys's response was like yeah you know what it is fucked up that i'm about to take all these lives however i am doing so with thinking about all the lives in the future that i am going to save by doing so now this whole fucking show man has been dedicated to her desire to to take to take power to you know ascend the throne right but in doing so, her basic goal was to be what she referred to as the breaker of change. She wanted to break the wheel. What is the wheel? The wheel of this fucking senseless suffering and, you know, that, that is caused by shit like fucking slavery and oppression through monarchies and all that kind of stuff, right? She didn't want people to suffer anymore. And she wanted to be the one that broke this wheel. She wanted to end the suffering, the needless suffering that people were experiencing, which is part of the reason why so many people are upset because they're like, yo, she said she wanted to fucking end suffering and now she's turned around and caused needless suffering on 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people of King's Landing. Like, that's very inconsistent. But again, this character, I mean, characters in general, all human beings in general, is the process of becoming, right? We are not set. We're never been set. And at any given moment, we are susceptible to fall into the brink of, you know, chaos at any given moment. I'll talk about that here shortly. But more importantly, her decision is based off the future. Yes, like I, I, it's unfortunate that I'm killing this number of people right now, right? But in doing so, I am making way to build perhaps a better world in the future. Now, I'm not saying I agree with this logic, but I am saying that from a consequentialist perspective, it can be justified. How am I going to fucking ever ascend to the power, for instance, if the person who is in power refuses to step out? And if, if, if I have to kill a few people to get her to come out of her fucking position of power, which she did, then it's ultimately for the better overall good. Hence the consequentialist aspect. It's the ends justify the means. At the end of it all, I, when I am the queen of this land right here, will establish a world in which shit like slavery fucking doesn't exist anymore. But until I get there, I can't fucking do that. And the only way I can get there, like, it's going to be very, it's not going to be very pretty, right? But, yo, you want to make an omelet, you got to motherfucking break some eggs, dog. And if, you know, the eggs in this case were the innocent people of Westeros, then so be it. Because if her past actions were indicative of her desires, chances are she probably was going to liberate them to a better future, right? <laughs> I can't believe I just made an argument, right, for fucking mass murder that occurred last night during that uh, yesterday's Game of Thrones episode. But there you are, right? And that's only page one of the fucking notes that I had lined up for today. I have fucking four more to go, and I'm already at the 55-minute mark. Now, that's not to say that I'm going to cut this bit short already, but it is to say that I'm going to, uh, I'm definitely going to keep talking about this in a future podcast. But um, I guess the majority of it, is that uh, it, it's, it's going to be predicated on the on the Nietzschean aspect, right? Especially, uh, specifically, the, the slave morality, okay? Um, I have a whole series dedicated to this, so I, I'm really in no rush to talk about it here today, per se. But I do want to leave, I guess, with people who were referring to my girl, the Queen of the Dragons, the unburnt, right, as a crazy person. And honestly, this has perhaps been the most problematic critique that I've seen with all the people who were talking shit about Game of Thrones. And let's put aside the feminist aspect of it to begin with, because it's very easy to fucking call a woman and thus delegitimize her. Uh, we can just call a woman crazy, right? In hopes to delegitimize her. And that's a very convenient, easy thing to do. And I think that's part of what these critiques are, fuck, are what, what, what they're doing, right? Um, but more importantly, I want to discuss it in a term of the role that madness plays in the creation of beauty. Again, this might seem a little strange, especially considering the fact that a lot of death and murder was involved in the creation of that beauty. But when I say beauty, I don't necessarily mean in an aesthetic and like aesthetics, like looks wise sense so much as, yo, you know what, man? Fuck, dude. Sometimes there is beauty and suffering. Sometimes there is joy and pain, etc. Right. And as unfortunate as her character i don't even want to say turn i think that's what it was destined to be the entire time not necessarily because i believe in free will per se or rather determinism because i don't believe in free will i should say not because i don't believe in free will let me, very, let me be very clear about that uh but more so because i think that's just where her, her general particular character arc was heading um madness plays a huge role in this nichean philosophy okay and it's from the again the basic idea that He's going to want to argue, this Nietzsche character, that our life is a work of art. 
and that until we listen to our conscience, if you will, and become what we are, that we're never going to be able to create this work of art, if you will. That's the whole point of, 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 of removing oneself from the slave mentality, from the herd mentality, and becoming more of this individualistic Ubermensch type character, right? And that in, in the process, we should seek to create of our life something akin to a work of art, like a beautiful work of art, right? So in this particular instance of the Daenerys uh, circumstance from last night, it wasn't, again, it wasn't the murder that I found beautiful, but so much as her becoming what it was that she was destined to fucking be the entire time. Olena Tyrell had it right, yo. You're a dragon. Be a fucking dragon. Now, this is very, very, very problematic. I get it. And it's part of the biggest reasons why people fucking don't like Nietzsche on the left, right? And it's because it's very easy to deduce from that that if you're a fucking genocidal maniac, that you should be a genocidal maniac. Become what you are. But that's not what fucking Nietzsche's saying. It's unfortunate that it played out in some respects that way for fucking Daenerys Stormborn. But hey, as unfortunate as it is, man, again, this is not a fucking hunky-dory world that we live in and unfortunate shit happens. So I could either sit here and lament about it like all the people fucking pissing and complaining on, you know, social media about how, how much of a tragedy it was, right? Or I could just become that active fucking Nate yes sayer that, yeah, you know what? When bad shit happens, bro, I still look to find the fucking best of it because I know full fucking well that just by virtue of being existence, bad shit happens all the time. It happens to good people. It happens to bad people. It fucking happens to everyone on large scales. It happens on small scales. And nothing that I do will ever fucking is never going to change that fact, right? I don't have the physical power to stop the laws of nature, if you will, right? Again, we could try to establish police force, militaries, governments, religions, but even they can't fucking stop this shit, right? And again, as unfortunate as it all is, the most important thing to do is take away a little bit of beauty from it because fuck man, beauty is what makes life, right? It's what makes life bearable. Art is what makes life worth living, etc. right? So as unfortunate as her actions were, the beauty that I took away, at least specifically from last night's episode was, man, she, she, she became her destiny. This whole time you had this fucking character who she rose from the fucking bottom, man. If you're fucking up on Game of Thrones canon, you know that she at one point was on the streets begging her and her brother, right? They fled. They were abandoned. They were they were chased out of their homeland by a king who actively sought to murder her as a child up her tour through her entire adult life, right? Uh, and she survived that. She's a fucking woman living way back at a time when women weren't valuable. They weren't treasured. They weren't fucking considered part of the moral community. And despite all of that, despite all of that, she was able to climb to the fucking highest position of power, right? Now, in order to get there, she needed to do some grimy ass gangster shit. But dude, the process of her going through that, that's a thing of fucking beauty, man. And the reason why is because let's take it back to this example that I said about living vicariously through the actions of other, pe of other people, especially in, you know, Game of Thrones fandom. Yeah, obviously, man, we all felt really closely with some of the fucking characters. It's been almost 10 years that this show's been on air. And for those of you who aren't fucking Game of Thrones dorks like myself, maybe you feel the same way with a sports star or a politician, right? It's not just fucking, it's, again, it's practical examples. It's not just because of movies or songs and shit. It relates to our everyday life, your fucking preacher, your parents, whatever, right? As long as we are living vicariously through them, we are sacrificing the most beautiful thing that there ever is. And that's our opportunity to become the greatness that we personally are capable of. And that's what fucking, that, that, that was the beauty for me in this fucking game of thrones episode the beauty is that yo she could have fucking been consigned to her fate she could have been resigned to her fate she could have accepted the fact that she's a woman living in a time when women aren't valued or they're fucking judged right and she fucking chose not to man she man she will man the fuck up and became her fucking destiny she became the dragon that she always was and if you can't fucking find beauty in that shit bro man 
I don't know what to tell you. Other than this fucking podcast has now reached the hour long mark and my camera is at the two minute mark leading me to believe that it's about to die. So before that happens, I guess I wanted to see I have so much here that I want to talk to you. Okay. But I wanted to leave you, I guess, with a couple of quick quotes from Nietzsche on madness. Right. And the quotes go as simple as follows. Let me see if I can find it. Here we go. Beneath fearful pleasure of millennia of custom, the only way to break out was by a dreadful attendant. Almost everywhere, it was madness which prepared the way for the new idea, which broke the spell of a verated usage and superstition. Do you understand why it had to be madness which did this? Madness was total freedom. It was the speaking trumpet of divinity. If madness was not conferred, it must be assumed, right? This is some fucking heavily powerful shit, man. And it's basically saying it's going to lead up to, I want to end this because my fucking camera is going to die, that in order to give birth to a star, one must first have chaos within. Yes, and if you don't have the chaos, you should even welcome the fucking chaos because at least, it. and when we say chaos here, we don't mean outright destruction. We mean this fucking energy that is going to help propel you from that negative, passive life that you're living into a more active, powerful life that you, active life that you could be living, right? And the only way that you can create this life of beauty, this fucking star, is to have some of that madness within, right? So let's not be so quick to disregard my mad queen, the fucking unburnt stormborn, right, of House Targaryen. So, with that said, I'll leave it at this. I hope you all enjoyed this fucking podcast. I'm looking forward to finals being over with so that I can get back to doing these a little bit more consistently. Um, until then, I look forward to seeing you all again. Peace.